the spider just came like right in front of my face. Do you think there's a connection? <laughs> On my mic now. <laughs> Come here, little guy. Connected in a grand sort of way. <laughs> kind of want him off my mic now. Give him a good plosive. There's some some dirty word word play around the word come, but uh, never mind. I I refrained from that. I heard it too. This will have. I I think the right joke was to make was how did you even see something that small? No, not the Beatles. You don't like the Beatles? No. <laughs> tell, right, I'll tell you, I do like the Beatles, right? But the problem, the thing I've got with the Beatles is they they stunted me as a guitar player. I only realised this about a month ago, and I was actually meaning to write a blog post about it. Is when I learned the guitar years and years and years and years ago. Unfortunately, the band that I took to be uh, my um, oh would. Yeah, Thistle it, Web is uh, dropping off. Go silent, or is that just the Beatles? No, I Thistle think Thistle Web, we missed most of that. Well, I don't have to play the Beatles. I mean, jeez. No, don't get me wrong. I like the Beatles. I don't um, like the Beatles. Nah, I like some I, of the Beatles. You can always tell a John Lennon tune or a McCartney tune in the Beatles. Pipe Man, what, what distro are you using these days? In terms of multimedia, I mean. There's, a, there's some cake. Um, I'm using KX Studio. And is that just is a, a set of uh, that's a set of repos now, or it's an actual distro? It's always been a distro. Um, the distro itself, the repos are up to date for every version of Ubuntu, but the distro itself is only uh, long-term support. Clatu, you so asked the exact same question like three nights ago in the IRC. Really weird. He must not have gotten an answer. Well, I don't remember it, so... <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, I remember him typing it. I don't remember the answer, I, so... I think it was in the, the open source musician room. Yeah, that's what he's kind of surfs, you know, and he goes back and forth, and he misses these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, KX Studio is awesome. The guy who does it is, uh, he's in, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the country... Portugal. He's Portuguese, and uh, I mean, he's prolific. He's the guy who actually wrote the Jack Patch for uh, Mumble, and he was on my donation list for this year. So I donated uh, him to Wikipedia. To let's see, I do a monthly donation to Ardor. Trying to think, there's okay. some more in there. Here's here's a here's a question inspired by that. Do do people find that they are spending money on software now that they're using free software, or are are you not spending any money? Like for me, I am happy to donate to the projects that I use, and I find that like my software bill, quote unquote, hasn't really gone down, but I'm much happier paying rather than having to pay for software that I don't even like in the first place. Uh, well, I mean, Ardor is probably easily the most expensive piece of software I've ever used. Yeah. How do you, how, in terms of what you, the the hardware you could attach to it, and it makes you run on buy stuff? No. How much I've given to the project? Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, KD and KD Live. I bet I'm close to about six hundred dollars in on Ardor. Holy cow! That's well, great. I've been donating though. ten dollars a month for five years, and I've done a couple hundred dollar donations in there. Then I should thank you personally because I use Ardor all the time. 
Yeah. Thank you. But I mean, Personally. I don't mind paying because when I was on Windows, I never paid for anything anyways. I just pirated stuff. I got to tell you, you know, I mean, we, ne we never talk about it. We always hawk around this subject in free software, but the fact that it is free, free as in beer is a huge, huge attraction to me and I think to a lot of people. Um, sure. You know, I could not afford any of the software just about that I have on this machine right now. I absolutely could not. If I had to run out and buy Windows, I couldn't do it. And, and that is a massive thing for me. And, you know, I mean, I would love to be able to contribute money to different projects that I think are great, but honestly, I can't. And, you know, I it, it, it's just something I wish I could do, but, you know, there's just no way. And I don't personally, I don't think people ought to feel like they have to just to to the yeah, if you give back things like bug rip stuff like that. But the fact is no one would write this stuff if no one was using it. I agree with what you're saying, Lost from Bronx. I, I don't, don't think, think anybody it... should feel guilty if, if they're not capable. Sorry. I think we might be saying the same thing, but I was going to say, yeah, I don't think people should, should hesitate to use the software and not pay for it. That is part of the deal. It's like part of the attraction. And at the same time, um, I think that it's it's nicer to, when you can pay. It, it feels better to, to pay to those projects, and you don't have to pay as much. You know, I mean, I, I used to pay a lot of money. Well, my dad would pay a lot of money for some software that I that I thought I needed, and and it never did do what it was supposed to do anyway. So it just we're we're kind of spreading it around. You know, we each pay a little bit uh, to the stuff that we use or not, but it, it's the burden isn't on one person, I guess. Yeah, if you do pay it, it's hitting the developer directly. It's not like you're paying, you know, Microsoft for for the great driver that somebody wrote for your wireless card, and you know, because they're not going to get that. Pokey, that's an actually that that's a perfect uh, reason why donating free software is better than running out and buying a a packaged piece of software, or downloading it from some big company's website. I mean, the fact is, the people that whose fingers actually typed in that code are the ones who are going to be pocketing the money. I, I mean, that I mean, the value of that in and of itself is massive because that gives those people incentive to continue doing what they're doing. Now, I, I have a question for you guys regarding this because I'm in the same kind of position Lost in Bronx is in. I, I can't afford to pay anything. If I had to if I had to pay for a streaming client or if I had to pay for an install of Windows or some other such thing, I could not have it I, I, or, or I would have to steal it. Um, and, and by the way, that there's a big distinction there. I've heard a couple of people mention, and I hear it all the time, people say stuff is free because you can download it. That's not free. That's stealing something. Uh, legally, there's uh, no uh, difference. I, 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 would, I would take issue with that. Um, stealing. Uh, it's, it's copyright infringement, not stealing. Uh, but it's copyright infringement. It's illegal, but it's not stealing. Um, and I, uh, I, I agree with you. It's just the definition is not It's not stealing. Um, good point. But it's not free. I, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I would back up that it's not yeah. theft, though. Yeah, I, w I, I think we can all agree that stealing someone else's property theft is immoral, but I don't think copyright infringement, especially of a product that can be endlessly duplicated for free, essentially, um, I don't see how that can possibly call, you know, fall into the same category as stealing someone's physical property that costs money, time, and resources, physical resources that had to be, you know, from from the very basic, um, the very the very basic materials involved had to be created from scratch and ultimately got to you in some, you know, shrink wrap package that you stuffed in your pocket. Um, I, I don't see how information can be tossed into that exact same category. It's 
ridiculous. Yeah, you can call it, it piracy it, if you like. It doesn't doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means it's not stealing. It's copyright infringement. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. I yeah, still think and, it's illegal. And copyright for infringement. Sure. The laws of copyright infringement are different, so it cannot possibly fall into a moral category. You know, because when we stop and think about what is you know morally correct, I mean that that in and of itself varies from culture to culture. But um, that at is, least. You know, Go ahead. No, at least. It varies at least from culture to culture. It usually from community to community and person to person even. so. Generation to generation. Yeah, so carry on, Last Mark. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. I I I agree with Thistleweb. You know, it is copyright infringement because that is the law. You know, it doesn't mean it's right, and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You know, it's just a state of legal. You know, I I mean, we're taking it on faith that things that are against the law are bad. But as we all know, you know, these are times where things are gray. The right and wrong of things are are not as clear as they once were to say my parents or their parents, especially. Um, you know, in the United States, we're going through a time where. I think, you know, for some many decades now, um, our faith in lawmakers and the law and the government has been, you know, really challenged. Um, but previous previous generations didn't have that. They might have disagreed with the people in charge, but they never thought of morally thieves, um, people who are letting down their constituents left and right, crooks, in other words. And as a result, by extension, every law that they support, we tend to think of, you know, we look at it as scant, you know, um, and in this community. We're especially critical and hyper, you know, political. I mean, you go into the Microsoft area, nobody thinks about stuff. Nobody right. talks about this stuff. You know, I, I wanted to bring this up earlier and didn't know didn't know how to work it into the conversation, but I think this is a pretty good time. I was listening to a podcast with a guy, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. If you don't know, Joe Rogan's a comedian, but he had Everlast on. If you don't remember him, he had a song called uh, What It's Like, and he was also in House of Pain. And he actually said that, you know, he came out on attack of illegal downloading music. Okay, fair enough. But he, he also said he, if he could go back in time, he would erase the internet because he thinks on the whole, the internet has had a, a wholly negative impact and uh it just kind of maybe that's uh, and we arrive at the point that i'm trying to make it hasn't had a negative impact on his life he's wrong the only he's wrong from the fact that in the same in this token that you know his album would not have sold as many as he as was getting downloaded okay people were exposed to his music and possibly went to a concert because of exposure to that mp3 the concept that because somebody downloaded a song that you've lost a sale is incorrect before now, I'm a recovered pirater. You know, I I I don't pirate software and I don't illegally down, download music, and I haven't in many many years. But at one point, I did, and I was on Windows, and the types of software that I was pirating wasn't going to be a sale if it wasn't available as an illegal download. Okay, I was downloading Photoshop and Adobe Premiere and After Effects and stuff like that, but I couldn't afford those. So you wouldn't have made a sale in lieu of the piracy. You would have just lost somebody who was going to try to enter the market in learning how to use those software tools and get a job using them. So you would have lost a sale. You know, the House of Pain thing, I couldn't let that go without saying Jump Around is a brilliant tune. Absolutely oh, fucking brilliant tune. I so love that tune. That Jump Around is just so class. Um, but yeah, um, on, on the wider thing and the lost sale testing, thing. Testing, testing. You test it, came through, came through. Yeah, yeah. We can hear you. Go ahead and test one. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, oh, you remember, about, I don't know, about a year ago maybe, Adobe came out and said that around 80%, 80% 
It's four-fifth of their sales they know to be illegal copies of Photoshop and whatever. And the point is, they can make a profit from the one-fifth, the 20% of people who can't afford not to pay license fee. They can afford, they, they can make a profit from the graphics designers, from the um, from the various stores who, it would cost them so much in PR to be labelled pirate that they would pay the licence fee. That's how they can get away with charging $1,500 or whatever it is for a Photoshop licence. That's how they can get away with it. And they can still make a profit out of that. 80% of their licence, of their users, are quote-unquote pirates. Well, I mean, how many people are in... In my continuing hatred for... Yeah. Oh, we stuck on each other. Uh, they shore up that. I mean, the reason Photoshop is an industry standard is it because it's the most amazing program that was ever written. It, it has a lot of features. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't, but other software didn't didn't become a competitor because you could pirate Photoshop and just get them now. And if so, if, if you could say eliminate all of Photoshop's pri- piracy and everybody had to in order to use it buy a copy of Photoshop, Photoshop wouldn't exist. Another product would have come along that was cheaper and better. Yeah, that, so, that, this this is why this is why when when people argue that oh if if Adobe um, released their stuff native Linux and they put their Photoshop and After Effects and various other programs into the repositories and made them available at whatever it is three hundred dollars or whatever per application th- they would automatically outdo the GIMP and Inkscape and whatever bollocks absolute bollocks to that idea I will refute that till the end of time when you have something like the GIMP I don't use the been downloading episodes of Meet the GIMP to try and learn and you know one day I'll get around to doing that but the thing is if you've got Photoshop in the repositories of Ubuntu or Debian or Fedora whatever it is they have got to prove that they are $300 better than the GIMP and they are not going to do that. Yes, they have filters. Yes, they have functions. Yes, they have some effects. But they are not three hundred or four hundred dollars better. They are simply not, and no, they are not going to do that. I don't think they necessarily have to prove that they're three hundred dollars better than anything. They just have to prove they're a stable enough company for some industry with lawyers to be able to rely on. Which doesn't mean they rely on the software. It means that they rely on their ability to sue them and get money from them if something breaks. Well, I think you're essentially you're getting right to the heart of the matter. You know, I, I hate to say it, but I think lawyers are at the heart of much of the problems we have in software today. It has nothing Amen. to do with the code. Okay, we have it has nothing to do with code, and honestly, it has very little to do with the law in and of itself, or what is right. Let me put it this way: what is right or wrong? It's got very little to do with that. The fact is, we have people who want to hold on to a a business model that cannot possibly function in the virtual world. It cannot function with ones and zeros, you know, because you cannot, you know, you cannot monetize something without, you know, something virtual without turning it into something that they're familiar with already, something that you can put a limit on. So that's where software, you know, patents come in, and that's where that's where licenses come in. A license is, you know, I mean, that's where it comes in to say that you from the library comes in. 
they're they're attempting to limit something that is un, in and of its nature is un, unlimited. Yep. You know, it's attempting to put limits on something that cannot be limited in and of itself. You know, so I mean, the point there, you, they're trying to put laws and, and legal bindings on things to try to give them artificial limits, and 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 that will function properly in their business models. And that's why those things are, you know, I mean, we again, we in this community see those things as archaic and archaic mindset. Eventually, you know, I. I Personally, I see this period of time in history as kind of a, a change, a kind of a sea change in the way people will do things. We don't yet draw the line between virtual products and real products. And by virtual, I don't mean like, you know, crap you'd buy in Second Life or something like that. But I mean like things that can be replicated for free. You know, I can't replicate my car for free. And honestly, I wouldn't. The freaking thing died on me today. But <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. I can't do that. Right. But I can I can replicate my operating system for free. Why should they be sold in the exact same manner? It's ridiculous. But I would say yeah. the, the distortion of intellectual property doesn't just stop. I mean, I, I get that there's a line between digital and the real world, but. It's been distorted long before that. <laughs> I mean, copyright was never intended to last as long as it is. Patents were never designed to be applied to organisms and to software and to these kind of unprovable ideas. It's been distorted for a really long time. It's just now it's so distorted that it's 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 crowding out everything else. Well, the purpose of it was all the same. I mean, every, every the examples you give are good ones, but they're they're you know they they're the exact they have the exact same function, and that is to an extend a business model. Do you think that Walt Disney is ever ever going you know the Disney company is ever going to let any Mickey Mouse stuff fall into public domain? Yes. You know they they won't they won't. No, it's a joke. I'm kidding. I know they won't. They will fight it tooth and nail if they have to. You know because the moment any of it falls into public domain it lo they they feel they're going to lose revenue you know and the only thing that is going to change is a mindset a mindset a sea change the idea that they could make money doing things differently quite frankly uh -huh. Quite frankly, I don't think anyone has figured out exactly how to do it just yet. Because you don't, I mean, no one is going to be like Jonathan Colton. You know, no, Disney isn't going to be like Jonathan Colton where they go around working their ass off, you know, and, and making and pocketing the money individually. You're not going to see a CEO be doing that for Disney's sake. It's, it's no, just, but, it can't but happen. Un, no, but, but fuck Disney. Because Jonathan Colton is great. Everybody loves the guy. Everybody wants to support him. Scott Sigler, an author, is great. Everybody loves him, wants to support him. This is the new way of doing business. It's not going to be easy on most of us to get there but this is the way it's supposed to work now, that's the thing. Is it? Is it? Honestly, you know, yes, when we stop yes. and think Somebody, about it, we, we, no, yes. we hail it. No, listen to me. Listen to me. We hail this as being the most, you know, radical change in commerce and communication that the world has ever seen. I hail it as the potential for that. But honestly, the exception that proves the rule. And the rule is that the guys who have the money are the ones that are going to change the laws and try to change reality to make things work for them. You know? Yeah, and that's this, true. I'm not, I'm not debating that point. I'm saying that guys who put out their content and make it available because it's freely copyable and by free I just mean it doesn't cost you anything to copy it because no, it's copyable that way then you have to kind of work under the parameters and work under the assumption that your work is going to be copied from computer to computer from person to person so it's only right 
in, in the very essence of doing work. It's only right that if you intend to be paid for your work, that you should be paid for your work. So when someone gives out their music or their book or their, or their work for a fee, that fee should go directly to that person and the people involved in producing it and, and mastering it or, or whatever have you. So yes, I think it is the way that it's supposed to be. Now, as far as the lawyers getting involved and screwing everything up, no, that should not be. The, the, the fact that lawyers exist at all is, is an abortion of justice and it's, it's an aberration of mankind. It shouldn't happen. But what I mean by the way it should be is that people should be able to pay for what they want and they should be able to pay the person who made it. I think more and more, actually, not just geeks, but regular people are coming to the, the realisation, the obvious realisation, that the middlemen are where all the money gets sapped up. Um, if you want to buy an album and compensate the person, the creative mind that come up with these songs and the people who put their heart and soul into playing their instruments to create that music, that the record label, not to them. You know, people are realising that. People, more and more people are realising that. Um, I think that's gradually taking the place. And I think the, the, the middlemen who, that's their source of income, is being the financiers behind movies, behind albums, behind books, TV shows, whatever it is. I think they're having problems and they're the ones who are desperate to keep a, a hold over the, the middlemen control that comes through Sopa or Pippa or whatever else um, it is. They, they want to avoid, they want to, to maintain their position between the artists, the people who create the art, create whatever it is, and the fans. Um, because the internet allows the fans and the artists to 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 join themselves with bypassing the middlemen. And the middlemen just can't stand that, essentially. Well, you know, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the thing is, the problem I think I see right now is that not everybody is a Scott Sigler. Not everybody is, you know, a J.C. Hutchins. These people that go out and shake their ass who work Okay, there? Lost in Bronx, nope. we heard you say they shake their ass and work, and then you cut out. Okay. What I said was that they work hard, and not every author can do that, okay? Not everybody can manage that. And I don't think we have something in place that allows people that all they want to do is create the content, not distribute it, to be able to distribute it without getting a middleman, a bureaucratic, bloated, um, you know, label of some sort of label, a publishing company, whatever, some middleman to, to you know, steal the money out of their pocket. I think we're getting close. I, yeah, I, I have to say we're really close. I mean, a lot of us in this channel right now are producing artwork, and I feel like a lot of us are distributing it pretty well. I mean, I'm not making a living off of it, but... No, well, that's the point. Who, I who's think making money off of it? I could... They're making money on it. Well, well that's I think, okay. I wanted to, you know, I don't know that this ties into a, to a profound point, and I, I'm not going to make a prediction on where things are going or, or, or why, but, uh, you know, Louis C.K. is uh, just released uh, a stand-up DVD that normally he would have distributed through a, the normal channels instead he released oh, it yeah, on his website without drm on it and he said normally he made like you know he'd make like maybe five or six thousand dollars on the dvd but hopefully it would get him booked for more live shows and that's kind of the business model that currently exists for a comedian there's not a lot of money in it there's a lot of money in it for the distributor but not for the comedian but he gets exposure or whatever so he thought well since i don't make any money i'll release this on my website and you know i'll charge five bucks or whatever and i'm not going to put any drm or whatever you can just download it and watch it and I know people are going to steal it. I wish they wouldn't, but, you know, they're going to do that anyways. 
So I don't, I don't know. Like I said, that there's a profound statement, but I, I, I'm saying that Hi, Louis C.K. is a, is a that I cut you out. Cu yeah, you cut out for me. I wanted to hear the punchline on that. It Where did I awesome. cut out? He was. Uh, I'm not going to make any money off of this, but whatever. I'll put it on my website, and then it went silent. Yeah, and so he ended up making uh, a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the first three weeks. Lost in Bronx. in Bronx, dude. I'm so glad you're sober to keep track of these things. Is that I knew they'd cut out for me as I'm well. Glad I'm, I'm glad it's still <laughs> early over here because I won't be later. <laughs> you know, it, it cut out for me at the same time as you, and I was trying to think where it cut out from and <laughs> where and, and you just cut in, and it saved me the hassle, honestly. So I thank you. But anyways, like I said, I don't know that that almost a, broke this whole web. <laughs> if there's any profound statement to say about that is that here is a an industry darling a guy who's had four shows through you know he if you know the story behind the the show louis that he does now on fx is that um he was going out to um strike up a deal for a new sitcom and they were offering him a million dollars signing bonus to to do the pilot for this sitcom and he was kind of meh, 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 didn't really want to do the sitcom but he was he was out there and talking to him and he gets a phone call from the ceo um of of fx network and he said look i've got the worst deal in the world for you i hope you love it he says i can't offer you any money but i want you to do a show on fx and you can do whatever you want and he said, well, you know, it can't be no money, but what can you pay me? And he said, I can get you uh, $10,000. $10,000 for what kind of time frame? <laughs> Here's the story, right? So he goes, okay, so you want a pilot for $10,000. He goes, no, we want a season for $10,000. And Louis C.K. goes, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And he goes, now hear me out. He says, if this works, you know, you'll get to do whatever you want, free reign. And so Louis C.K. says, okay, wire it to my bank account tonight. I want it wired to my bank account. And I'm doing this under the deal that whatever I send you is what goes out. Nobody edits it. Nobody talks about it. I'm not going to take notes. I'm not going to take feedback for this. You know, I'm doing it for nothing. I'm just going to send you a show. And he edits the show Louis on his MacBook Pro. You know, I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, he, <laughs> he all on his own. And he sends it to And it's amazing. And it's unedited. Wait, and, you know, it's 100% genuine. Since, so since there are people now, that are mainstream people that... Yeah, pipe, pipe yeah, man, you're cutting in, in and out. out. And these are awesome stories. I really want to hear them. Yeah, yeah, since you're cutting in and out anyway. Damn. Hope the HBR just disconnected. I see wow. it in yeah. the chat on the side. Wow, oh, man. He was, like, spanked by the internet. <laughs> well, his recording's still Did... going, and so is mine, so we're okay. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to get back on. And there's that pokey HBR. Am I still cutting in? Oh, hi, hi. All right, hold on, hold on. I gotta, it means i got to save these, these files before I can hit record again. Hold on a second. No, that, this kind of reminds me of the, the whole... That's not war. holding on, Thistleweb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too drunk to understand that. Could you repeat that? That was the best it, calling the lag, bullshit man. I've heard in it's a while. Yeah, that's cool. I'm cool with the lag. Oh, shit. I'm rolling, guys. Thistleweb has a lot of brain latency going on right now. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Tell us when we're recording, Pokey. I got I got something to say to I don't know when I cut out, so I don't know how much you missed. Uh, you were like in and out, but I caught okay, it looks like we're recording the now. gist of the story was pretty clear. We're up. Right. So, so I'm just going to wrap up real quick and just say that there's mainstream guys that are more mo – that at the beginning of that, he was motivated not by money but by creativity. He took on the show based on creativity. And then he put out this DVD and decided to release it out there. And the fans of his show and of him and his personality, instead of him making a couple thousand dollars on a DVD, he made almost a million dollars cash in three weeks, you know, 
and, and that's the, there's big rewards out there for artists that take that kind of risk and and circumvent well, all the bullshit and do something genuine and honest. Well, at the risk awesome. of being a hypocrite, I I have to agree with you because um, do you know Amanda Palmer? She's uh one half of the duo the uh Dresden Dolls, and uh they you know she they've had a you know that it's it's a, a two person band and they've been going on for years and years and they have quite a following and. Uh, during some downtime, she decided to, and you know, I don't know who their label was, but it was it was a standard label deal, and she lost money on her solo album, and she was like incredibly pissed about this because they sold it, it like sold the ass off thing. It was insane how how well this thing sold, and she didn't get you know she like actually had to pay the studio or the uh, back, and she got really really pissed about this, and decided, as far as I know, at any rate, she decided that they were going to go indie on uh, you know from that point on. But the 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 point is one night she was on twitter and she said come to my website because you know no no she in fact i take this back she did it all through twitter she decided she was going to auction crap off from her house she was home she was like half toasted you know from, from from wine and she's sitting there and she's like i got stuff around my house and i got fans and like thousands of people follow me on twitter i'm gonna start selling stuff in four hours she made something like twelve thousand dollars just selling crap out of her house right twelve thousand dollars you see and yet half, she had half, to cut Check check label. Label. <laughs> I like sounds, going. Yeah, sounds like we're about to buy some Thistleweb gear. Thistleweb <laughs> just heard heard his business model. Get drunk no, and sell some of his stuff. I wish Peter sixty four was on here. I'd love to hear what he was gonna sell, like burned helicopters and doors and things. <laughs> uh, sorry, dude. On you go. I, I was just making a joke. <laughs> I enjoyed the joke. I have. I, I was hawking and I missed it, so I'm gonna have to listen to the recording of this to catch it. He his just joke said, was that he's drunk and he's getting ready to sell his stuff, is what he was hinting at. <laughs> you were telling your story, and he goes, half toasted and selling stuff on Twitter? <laughs> and making 12 grand? Yeah, he was about to, you, were, you were about to sell him on the whole idea. But, but yeah, the, so... point, the point is, it was her fan base that supported her, you know? It, it was, you know, that allowed her express her creativity just take advantage of her brand you know now that was a brand that up in that moment up until that and up until that realization that was a brand primarily owned by the label they okay. were the ones that marketed it all right now i have to ask the question um and again this is me running the risk of being hypocritical here but if users connecting directly with the people who supply art and media supporting these people directly if this is the business model that we're supposed to have if this is what works and uh, because it's certainly working now for some people um and assuming that it takes off and does work is it sustainable can we keep this up or is the next generation of people going to be so used to getting their stuff without paying for it that they're not going to bother to even think about it i think it's sustainable i mean i think look at the free software model that already exists it's been sustained for quite some time i, I think this could work in the long run it's just you know, some artists might have to accept that they're not going to be able to do their art full time, like you know, multi-million marketing campaigns allows them to do. But I don't think a true artist is going to care about that so much. So I think it's sustainable. There might be some changes. I don't think that the free software uh, movement is is a good example of that because largely it's financially supported by corporations who are making money off of it. I'm I'm talking about art where it's going to be bought directly by the end user. 
The short answer is yes. I think it's definitely sustainable because, uh, I mean, the Amanda Palmer is just a small drop in the bucket. On a larger scale, you have somebody like Prince who did his uh, um, CDs in the, uh, I, I don't remember what Sunday paper it was over in London, but, um, you know, he made, he made a couple million off of that alone. Um, and even then, on his, his uh, website, he streams his music, and people pay, pay for that, and it's something to the tune of... Of seventy thousand a month. Now, granted, he's established, but the fact of the matter is, is I think that the more these bands, savvy bands, not stupid ones, and bands that are really good and know what they're doing, they will always find a way to get their music out there. And to tell you the truth, I mean, in terms of the music that I listen to, um, you know, it, it's funny because one of the mediums that I used in order to decide whether or not I was going to buy an album or anything was, was one of two ways: if I heard it on a radio usually college radio station i liked it i would i would buy it uh the other way is like we used to do in the old days we had cassette tapes we made mixtapes and sent it out to everybody and you know that's basically how metallica grew their fan base the hypocritical yeah, bastards they are <laughs> yeah right I, no, think, no. I think what's going on right now is we're creating an artistic middle class that hasn't exist. Especially, yeah. I mean, I can only speak now between the musician side of it. I can't, you know, I'm not talking to art, you know, painters and, you know, designers and stuff like that. But from a music perspective, in the, in the old days, there was either you were the road musician who worked his butt off and made nothing. And that's, you know, I, I mentioned Danny Gatton earlier. He, he ended up killing himself because he was that guy. He worked his tail off. You know, he did all right, but, you know, and then there was the mega rich. So there was the struggling, poor, starving, musician and then there's the guy who gets a record deal it makes big you know and then there's the guys who wash out you know they get a record deal album doesn't do too well and they're flipping burgers right i think what's going on right now is there's enough of that that maybe you won't have the next pink floyd or led zeppelin or beatles or or huge mega u2s you know those aerosmith those kind of bands what you'll get is guys who make a decent living and do what they do and yeah, they don't see, the but that's not even what I'm talking about. It's not really at all what my question is, because I agree that it is working now, and I don't think that an established band has any particular advantage in this in this realm, uh, given any amount of time, because people are becoming established through this business model. I mean, and, and, and I get it. It's working now. People are paying for what they like and supporting the artists that are making it. But in 20 years, are your neighbor's kids going to pay for music? Are your neighbor's kids going to pay for art that they can download uh, um, that's that's my real question. Is it, it about sustainability? I think you're underestimating people's comprehension of of the need to eat and and survive. I, I think people know. Yes, if you like an artwork, if you like someone's music, you got to tip them at some point. And if enough people tip this person, then they're going to be able to make more and more music without having to get a day job or whatever. I I think it is sustainable. I don't think everyone just thinks that music and musicians grow on trees. I I people understand that. And even if they get an album for free at some point when they're able and they know okay this is a donation based system i need to start pulling my own weight then they'll give money i mean that's how it is i i know you say you think free software is a bad example i think it's a good example i think it's working uh people who can't pay don't people who do they do and that's how it works and even some art is already funded like that even like museums and things like that i mean yeah you've got the super rich people financing it on the behind the scenes and you got normal people giving a little bit of money here and there I think it's going to level out. I think, yeah. honestly, I think that I don't think they, no artist can live on tips. Honestly, I don't believe that. Somebody, going back to Jonathan Colton, you know, he, his music.
music for you to copy, and people do buy his albums, and I, I suspect because he's popular, he makes a fair amount of money off of his album downloads. But the fact is, before he got to be anybody who's who's very popular, I mean, arguably he is the superstar of the geek, you know, free, you know, sort of free culture movement. But the fact is. It is touring where these guys make their money, the real money, yep. most of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and and the fact, you know, you maybe you got to pay a cover to get in, and he's made a deal with, you know, um, whatever venue he's working in. I don't know exactly how that works. And he's selling albums right there. You know, he's selling CDs, you know, right there. But that's primarily where a lot, you know, again, he may be atypical, but a lot, you know, most of these guys who are who are trying to follow this model, they're only going to be able to make their money by, by constantly producing it, you know? And not every artist can can distribute their art in that way. You know, you could try to be a sculptor and freely distribute your work. Sure. All you all you can distribute are copies of it. You know, like you know pictures of it. Yeah, but those or, people or aren't the being itself. That's a slightly different thing, though. But, but I don't. But I take your point. I don't want to get sidetracked, you know, but but there there you know a three D printer might enable a sculptor to do that. But uh, there was another that's point. That's a really I, good point. There was another point that I wanted to make, and that's that uh, Jonathan Colton was actually on Planet Money this year. And released his financial records to Planet Money. And they said on the podcast what he made. Do you so, remember I'd how it broke down? He's not super rich. I'd be willing to bet Lost in Bronx is pretty close with saying he's the middle class artist. Okay, throw out some numbers. What do you think he made this year? What would I guess? That this year? Mm -hmm. I, I would say probably less than three years ago. I'd nope. say twenty-five grand. No, I would say two to three hundred thousand. Oh no 000. way! Yeah. Five hundred and fifty thousand. That much, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. But that's again, good for no, him. Now again, though, he is the big, the big guy. You know, he is. Right. You know, he is the star. Now he's not the know, middle class. That's what I'm saying. There is yeah, a yeah. middle class in there. There is a middle. Yeah. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Well, I got, I got to stop you there. That's that five hundred grand for a guy who's been working his whole life. If you average that out over the time that he spent literally being a code monkey and touring and working his ass off for music, that averages out to about middle class. He can't. No, no, no. Uh, don't you go see, by that. I just, I, we're I just, all I, working our ass up. We are all the code monkey. Yeah. Okay? Yes. All of us. And we're not making that kind of money. You know, so that, what, what does that make him? Him middle class and we're, we're nothing? You know, we're, no, no, you know, we're peasants? No, I'm the just saying because no, he makes that is, in one year doesn't, doesn't move him magically out of the middle class. If he's smart, he's going to squirrel that away for tougher times because that's what you do. Well, that's the same with anybody who's, I mean, I mean you know, we, you know, we, you, you could look at any big music star right now who's making millions and millions of dollars but you know that uh, we know what pop music is like and in a couple of years a year or two when they're not so cute anymore and their music is out of fashion these guys aren't going to be making any of that money and like anybody else they got to squirrel it away but you know what does that make him what well, i mean when we're but talking the, about this my category point is, my point is he's he's a 500 grand year it's a cash windfall it's not it's not he, he's not so you don't think it's sustainable you don't think well, before, before the argument goes, I'm not saying that he can't. I'm saying hang on, that hang on. Before the argument goes too much further, okay? I just want to raise the point that Jonathan Colton has said in the past that as soon as he quit coding and started making music, he's made more money making music every year than he did making code. So I just want to point that out before this argument keeps going. He's always real, made more we're money. We're not arguing. We're not. We're not arguing. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as he did it full time, he was making more money do, so, with with music than he when he the year he did the thing a week. He was he made more money that year than he did the previous year. So he's every year he's made more money. And I'm glad he has. He's a good man. He makes good music. And frankly, he's earned that money. I I would never say that he didn't earn it. I just. I don't. I'm just saying that I don't think what he's done is signed up for a salary. He's still an artist, and I don't think a smart person.
person in his position would take it for granted that that 500 grand is coming every year. And I, I just don't think that that moves you into the... But what artist, what artist could? I mean, even if you have a big record deal, there's nobody who's guaranteed. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, but well, if you land a windfall of tens of millions... I'm sorry, Lawson, I didn't mean to jump on No, here. no, go ahead, go ahead. But so if you land a, a windfall of cash, 10 million, 20 million, you stick that in the bank and don't ever touch it and live off the interest, now you're making 500 grand a year for the rest of your life. But there's less, you, there's less than that. a thousand artists in the history of mankind that have ever done that. You could say that about any line of work. I mean, you could be a CEO of the biggest corporation in the world, get cancer next year, and all you have is what you put aside. And maybe, you know, any bonuses you negotiated, but that's that's in the past. You can't count on what your next contract's going to be. I, yeah, I totally agree. See, all, all of this, all of this comes down to the, um, the previous, the back catalog as well. So if you're, I don't know, if you're a band like Queen, um, by the time you get to like 1980, you've had six or seven albums out there that are constantly, when you release a new album, you go out and buy the earlier stuff. It's a new, um, it's a new lease of life on the earlier stuff. So it gives a boost of life to what's already out there. So all of this, all, all the, the big label stuff is like that. They rely on the new album Re reintroducing new sales of the older stuff, um, which which breaks into that. So you've you've constantly got stuff that you did seven or eight years ago, nine years ago, ten years ago, constantly making a little bit extra and a little bit extra and a little bit extra, adding to the total. Well, you got to understand too that art is radically different than, say, software, you know, or, or the software model, in that, or, or other things that are essentially transient. You know, as important as they may be at the moment, they are essentially transient because, you know, who is going to pay for? you know, a, a a copy of Red Hat from, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Who's going to pay cash money for that, right? People are still buying Elvis Presley albums. I, I, I think there's something physical in, in art that connects with people because if, it, if, if something like a painter was specifically tied to what they produce only, you know, the, the internet was way more capable of displaying an image of a piece of art than it was an MP3 of a piece of art. The difference is that the business model for a painter wasn't that he was selling these overinflated, ridiculous albums with all this ridiculous crap tied to it, that the, the really in the end, they were kind of screwing their consumers. But painters, as a net, you don't hear about how much they lament the internet because they're, people who buy their stuff want the physical painting on their wall. The original is the important part. The print might be the important part. And a picture on the wall hasn't been replaced by, you know, people aren't buying digital picture frames so they can display Picasso. You know, I, I think there's a business model in there. And I think vinyl, oddly enough, vinyl sales keep going up every year. That's the only form of media in music entertainment that keeps going up. And it's kind of like an art form. I mean, it's something people want a physical copy, but people were never emotionally attached to a CD. And a CD is kind of essentially the same as the download. And to them, they don't make that connection, but people have a physical, like an emotional connection to a piece of vinyl. And, it, you know, I, I, there's, there's more money to be made from a fan, a true fan than... Than just the 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 sale itself for the for the music, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That that kind well, of goes back. 
Go ahead, Clay. Okay, that that goes back to what I was saying like hours ago. Now, you know, I mean, it's it's not the content alone anymore. It, it's it's the content plus the artist, and people will pay for that for that package deal, just like they're paying for free software package deal, where they know that they can access that programmer and say, look, I love it, but you need to move this button over here, and they'll do it. And and that's why people are paying, and that's why people are going to pay for independent art because they know that they can get to that person, they can get they can get their merchandise, they can meet them at the show, stuff like that. That There's an appeal there. And the only other way to sell really to people is to ram a million dollars of marketing down their throats. And and I'm hoping that that, that, has, that phase is dead now. People aren't listening as much to the marketing, and people will start listening more to the, the art and the artist. See, that phase I've, is I've, not dead, and your next presidential election will prove it. I've said this before. I said it. I, I said it on your show, Plateau. I don't think that mass market media is going anywhere. I think what the internet has brought and what the small artist has brought is in addition to what already exists. I don't think it's going to replace it. Fair you enough. Know? Yeah, there fair are some enough. people. You know, uh, would Jonathan Colton have ever gotten a big, you know, record deal in the old days? You know, and by old days, no. I mean maybe even only ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Would he ever have gotten the deal? And if he didn't get the deal, he wouldn't have gotten the exposure, right? And he wouldn't have gotten the tours signed up for him instead of him going out and doing the work himself. And that means no exposure, right? And that means yeah. fan base, you know? Those guys are going to do it. Those guys are going are, are gonna to take the reins and do it on their own. But there are for every John Colton, there's a hundred out there who don't want anything to do with that end of it, you know? And those are the guys that the labels are still going to go after. Sure. See, I, I wondered, actually, if people like um, Jonathan Colton are the exception rather than the norm and the fact that they can genuinely, and the, the fans, the people who listen, actually agree and categorise them as art. Um, because, I mean, you look at major uh, studio releases of movies, the major mainstream uh, album releases, band releases, they're all mainstream. They're all designed as industry, as product. And I think fans are gradually realising that that's not the same thing as art. That product is not necessarily art. That a movie is not necessarily art. It's there to to tick various boxes. I mean, I like because they're action. They're not art. There's no way in hell I would consider them art. There's nothing artistic about them. But they're action-packed. There's a difference. And I think more and more people are realising the difference between studio-produced, the mass-produced, mainstream-produced, elite-produced, studio-produced um, product and art. And I think art is what individuals come to a, a, a product, produce a product that has something to say. They might not agree with what it has to say, but it's something a bit unusual, a bit different, rather than just ticking the boxes. The average person is not that savvy, I'll tell you that. I, I, I kind of wanted to respond to what Lost and Bronx said and say that uh, um, I, I, I disagree in the fact that I don't think it's going to amend. I think it will for a while, but I think, um, I think the Internet is going to swallow major media companies like it did um, newspapers. I think, I think right now the music industry and the, most of the entertainment industry sits right now where newspapers did 10 years ago. And that in another 10 years, it's going to be a vastly different landscape. And I pay pretty close attention to the business models of these small independent artists. 
one example I want to give you is really recently, and that's with a podcast, something we can all relate to. And that is the the Tell Him Steve Dave podcast. If you don't know who Tell Him Steve Dave is, if you're into Kevin Smith movies, um, it's a guy, Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson. And they were best friends with um, Kevin Smith when he was in high school. And they were, they've been in all of his Viewisk Universe movies. You know, the one guy is the fanboy, and he says, you know, he yells something snarly at somebody, and the other, and Walt Flanagan says, tell him, Steve, Dave. Okay, and they have a podcast, and it's a pretty popular podcast, uh, much more popular than anything we're doing. But uh, one of them got the idea to release. I like this What's that? I said, I like this one better. Uh, I like that podcast a lot, and I think they're good guys. And But they, one of them got the idea to release a podcast on vinyl, okay? Wow, the other guys were like, this is ridiculous. There's no way. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about vinyl. That It's dead. And so the guy said, okay, a couple thousand dollars, would you guys, yeah, if we could get a couple thousand dollars. So they decided how are they going to do it? And they did a Kickstarter campaign, okay? And they said, if we can get 2,000, this will be a limited print, just something really special for the really good fans to, to have. And we'll see if there's any interest. And if we can get the Kickstarter going, we'll do it. And the Kickstarter closed in two days with $12,000. Yeah, but I mean, come on. They, they had a massive fan base to begin with. And, you know, maybe they don't make a lot of money off their podcast but you know that's a matter of shaping their their brand you know and and their products so to speak you know to make money off of that the fact is you none of us could do that there isn't anybody here in this chat right now that could pull that off i don't think that they were massive to begin with i'll i'll argue that point with you i think by its very nature it being a podcast they started off small and grew an audience um and and i you may be correct that none of us could do it but maybe that's just because we're not hilarious brilliantly funny people yeah the whole the whole kevin smith gang with um the various people they've got on like brian um brian and um you know the whole tell him steve day the whole cast i mean these guys are really funny as it is um so that's that's a bit unusual they, they these guys have got a natural talent these are these people are naturally funny Smodcast is fucking hilarious. If people have not, if they if they don't have Smodcast with uh, Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier on their, their list, honestly, get subscribed to that RSS feed. It's fucking hilarious. And these guys are mates of theirs. They've appeared in Smodcast from time to time, um, and they are brilliant as well. These these guys have already got a built-in audience. But the thing is, these these people already have an audience, and I, I've I've lost my my train of thought here. So I'm just going to cut off the mic. Well, I, I, my my point is that yeah, maybe they have a big audience, but you know, they would not have existed in an old paradigm. There would have been no, without a doubt. No, may, maybe they wouldn't have existed on their own, but they still would have been, you know, Kevin Smith Toady. They still would have been his hangers on, and they would have found some other way to market that back. You know, they, I mean, they may be very, very funny on their own, but I'll tell you this there is no shortage of talent. There's no shortage of humor out there. You know, the funniest people I have ever known, and I mean, you know, funny to the bone, the funniest people I ever knew never made a dime off of comedy. You know, they're just regular people who happen to to be funny and the fact is yeah and, and and people who are who have a great voice you know people who have maybe a great singing talent and the only place they ever sing might be in church right there's talent out there by the bucket load but what we don't have is an easy way for these people to market their talent 
We d- we do know. I mean, that's my argument against that. We do. Not. I mean, I mean if I'm a writer and I got to, I'll tell you this. If I'm a writer and I got to go, you know, pricing print and I got to get all the books sent to my house and then I got to pack them all up and I got to send them all out by UPS. I got to tell you, I am never going to write a freaking book. But that's exactly what Scott Sigler does. It's, it's, see, it's not, it's not the actual creation of the app. It's the getting it out to the people, and that's, that's exactly where, that is exactly and, the point. This will hit it right on the net, right on the head. That that is where, drunk, where, where, yeah, uh, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, state of mind has proven, you know. Oh wisdom. no, guys, tr- trust me. I, I've I've got. A, I don't know if anyone follows me in Identica. I mentioned something about an ideal project and just the ideal d- domain name popping up at the right time. Um, but this is part of this. Um, it will be revealed at a following date. Uh, but the idea is that um, sometimes things just join up. And the thing is, with self-promotion or self-creation, whether it's podcasts, whether it's music, whether it's anything else, is the one thing that the major networks have, the traditional outlooks have, whether it's movie distributors, book distributors, album distributors, the one thing they have is they have all of the distributors lined up. So if you're an artist signed to a major label, you're going to get your ass on MTV. You're going to get your ass on any other music network that they're a part of. Uh, radio stations, you're going to get your, your song played on all their networks. If you're not signed up to their artists, to their agreement to cut them in and the deal, there's no way in hell you're going to get on MTV. There's no way in hell you're going to get on to their distribution networks, on their radio stations. The same thing with books, with movies, if you create an, create an independent movie, it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how, in, uh, how bizarre it is, how cool it is. Keep in mind, not... Thistleweb, you're, you're talking about two vastly different paradigms where what the internet has done has created a world where consumers can pay creators for their content. That That's all it boils down to. You're talking about MTV, you're talking about major motion picture houses. That has nothing to do with you wanting to get art or production from those people. Yeah. That has to do with you being a product. That that You are a product, and they are selling you to advertisers. And the content they put on those networks is not a distribution network with you in mind, other than that's the bait, and they're there to lure you in so they can sell you to advertisers. Th- these are two vastly different paradigms. They can not work yeah up to a point i agree with you i agree with you but up, up to only up to a point the point is that if you are part of the old boys network you're going to be promoted as one of them if you're not part of that network you're not going to get that chance you're absolutely yeah, not agree. going to get I that agree. chance for their network you're going to get paid a lot to be the bait that lures in the viewer or the listener or whatever medium we're talking about you're going to get paid a lot to be that bait what i'm saying is the internet is is a different paradigm completely well, well, yeah, first yeah. off, first, first off, there was, there's never been any guarantee just because you got signed to a label that you were going to make millions and millions of dollars. You know, if you if your stuff doesn't sell, they dump you faster than day old fish. You know, you stink to them, and they don't want anything to do with you if they can't make a dime off of you. Isn't yeah. the percentage of people that get signed to labels something like fifteen to twenty percent that actually make it? Uh, well, if you uh, to refer to another Planet Money. Um, the 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 fact is they were saying that it's something like ninety percent of all albums lose money and it's always been that way. 
I, I was just well, going to say I'd be surprised if, if it was as much as 15 to 20. Yeah, I think it's 90% of albums lose money overall. About, but those 10% pay for the rest. Maybe about 20 years ago, I, this stuck in my brain. I was watching television, and I don't know, it was like Entertainment Tonight or some garbage. And they had Kenny Rogers, of all people, on there, right? And I remember a comment he made. He said that, you know, the, 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 the um, host, you know, made some ridiculous comment about, oh, geez, you're always working. I mean, you're, you're, you're touring something like 250 days out of the year. It's just, you know, why do you keep working like that? You've been so popular. And he said, you don't make any money if you don't tour. You know, if you look at the statistics, every city you go to where you are touring, your album sales spike. And when you leave, the album sales drop. And that is where the money is, you know, in touring. Now, of course, he was a studio, you know, he was a label guy, right? So the money he was really making was for the label. And then, you know, he was sucking off of that tea. But if he was on his own, if he was an independent guy, you know, and, you know, who cares, you know, who we're really talking about, not necessarily Kenny Rogers, but any artist, your independent artist, that is where your money is going to be in, in, in pressing the flesh and people seeing you and then being part of that experience. And then people can trade and give your stuff away. The fact is you're giving away, giving away his music to support him, right? So he's making good money off. But the fact is, it is the Jonathan Colton, you know, mystique that people want to buy into. I mean, you can't, you cannot freaking get a space at Comic-Con when that guy is appearing over in San Diego. You can't, you can't get in there. And they can fit like something like five, six, seven thousand people into that room. And it's SRO, you know? He could sell out a huge stadium at this point. So, yeah. so regardless of the distributor there, what you're saying is the guys have to give their music away. It's just whether or not you prefer to give it to one of the content houses or whether you want to give it to uh, an ISP and let people download it for free. If, if the money's sure. touring, then it's the same business model anyway. I, I, I would I would take one issue with the fact that um, touring, by and large, pays for the most of what artists make, but the money that's made for touring, by and large, doesn't go to the artist. So no, they make good money touring, but well, not only that. I'm not talking about those kind of guys. I'm talking the guys in a van going and booking shows and stuff like that. They make decent money from the venue, but the venue makes the venue and Ticketmaster together and the promoters and all that make huge amounts of money on top of that. It's not a pure form either. When you go see them live, you're pay you're, you're still paying a pretty small percentage to the artist. The one holdout that an artist has is merchandise. So that, it's always that, been true that if you buy a sticker from your favorite artist, you will give him more money in his pocket than any of the albums or live shows you get. You, 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 a sticker alone will make him more money than anything else you buy. And we gave those damn things away? Shit. Yeah, that, that, that reminds me of the whole concept of royalty or as where um, entitlement, as where um, in the olden days, in, in, in Britain especially, uh, where some individual would help out Prince, whatever, whatever his face, um, with some sort of problem, and the Prince would reward them by giving them, or making them Lord such and such, and the title would pass down from son to son to son to son, and generations on, they would still be reaping the rewards from that one act. This is the same sort of thing. It's the the thing that um, people are signed up 
and you know they're entitled they feel entitled to reap the the rewards from stuff that was in the 1940s the 1950s the same idea it's the exact same idea where where the modern um thing is you work for your living you keep gigging you keep playing you you tour um you keep producing new stuff um that's how you make make a living essentially absolutely agree with you on that one uh celebrityism is definitely the modern uh nobility um, no, I would argue that it isn't celebrity. It is product based on you know a sold a sold um uh, brand or marketing tool such as Mickey Mouse. Let's go back to Disney. You know that what what this little website is an exact perfect example of what Disney's trying to do. They want entitlement forever for their little Lord Mickey Mouse. You know they want that thing to pay off forever. They want you know generations of people to grow up understanding that they can you know that this is Disney and that's part of the Disney market. They don't want some. Somebody else taking a Disney um, image and start making money off of it and maybe breaking the concentration or breaking the focus away from Disney saying, oh, I can get Mickey Mouse content from somebody else. Yeah, yeah. See, what annoys me, especially about the, the mu- music industry, but I mean, I suppose the movie industry as well, is they keep, to, to try and justify all of this, is they keep saying it's art. It's somehow it's artful to make new stuff, and that art must exist, and that people should pay for art, and whatever. That's bollocks. That's absolute bollocks to yeah, me. Yeah, tell that to the man who made the cave painting two million years ago. Because, <laughs> because I mean, look at it now. All you've got now is a vast majority of I mean, talking about production movies rather than independence. It's all remakes. It's all sequels, prequels. It's all stuff that's based on existing franchises. And even then, they don't even pay people who are creative. I mean, you remember a story about the the dude that played Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi? Um, even now, when he gets his royalty checks, they say, oh, sorry about that. We might be the sixth, sixth most profitable movie of all time. But we're still not making a profit, so we can't pay you a bean. Sorry about that. Maybe next year. You know, it's bollocks. Absolute bollocks. I mean, all they do is remake stuff. All they well, do is is um, franchise stuff. Percentages of, of so-called movie profits, that is the oldest scam in Hollywood. That's been going on for decades and decades. I mean, it, that went back on during the, you know, the golden days, you know, where a big, you know, uh, a, a, a big movie star would sign, you know, get a very small salary or a very small fee for the act, but get a, a nice percentage of the profits. And then on paper, they can prove that it never made a dime. You know, it ne- just never made any money whatsoever and they've been doing that forever and i don't think hollywood is the only place where that happens by any means i'm sure the record labels do this, the exact same thing but i wanted to get a bit back to the original point that i do think that there is money and i do think it's sustainable uh kind of full-time living for artists that that, that will be ongoing i think i think there's going to be a nice equilibrium where discovery services will be much more word of mouth through things like twitter or google plus and facebook and people will discover cool things and people who are doing good things will get recognized and get paid and uh it if you want to look more into like some of the more like businessy kind of facts and figures look into things like um 
uh, the long tail is is a is a big yeah, thing yeah. to look up. Um, but not only that, I think what really offsets the long tail is reading a, a book like Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About the Music Business. Uh, it's a book that's probably available at your local library. Um, that in a, in and of itself will give a better perspective for musicians to know why things are the way they are in the music industry and where actual money flows and why and you know and in there you can see that there is a niche that there is a upper middle class lifestyle that will be available to people uh to artists that maybe 20 percent of them would have made millions of dollars and will only make a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year and maybe 20% of those would have never even been in the music industry at all. And then there's the working class that would have made 40 or 50,000 that might be able to elevate to 100,000. And we won't see the mega million artists um, in the quantity that we have over the years. That would be great. I've got. I, I'm speaking from, from from as a person who has actively researched and studied and worked really hard on learning about what what it would take to have a successful independent album. So don't you know, don't. Take I'm not me saying to, I'm an expert, but you know, I say no, I, I say I, it I'm with, buying what you're I, selling. I, I I agree. I've done and, a lot of I, research. I can and, tell. And don't take me for a guy who doesn't think that what you're saying is true. I I hope to God you're right. I'm just a pessimist. I, nothing ever goes. Well, I mean, right. under this paradigm, <laughs> something like an '80s hair band could never come into existence because there there is Thank no talent God. there okay and i don't well, think yeah, there's okay. a bad thing about that no <laughs> no no i'm thing. just saying i'm just saying yeah, he's, he was getting... <laughs> i'm just I mean, i'm not shedding any tears i'm just saying that things can you know the the type of of music that we're going to be seeing in the future we're not going to see anything like the beatles again that it becomes a cultural phenomenon will you know under this if this holds true is what i'm saying we'll only see things that will influence certain certain um subcategories categories of of consumers you know people who are you know they find their niche and in that niche they're you know they're going to have superstars who people that we love and maybe those superstars because the niche is so small are only making a comfortable living they're not multi multi-millionaires that are influencing our entire culture cultures around the world hey, 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 hey let me ask this you know clubhouse here why are oh, we no, facing unix yeah yeah <laughs> oh man facing success on how much somebody makes right especially us I think oh, we're yeah. doing it because mo there are a lot of us here who are producing content that we're not getting paid for it. And if we had a choice, we'd like to make some money off of it. Now, I, I don't want to be a millionaire, right? Brothers but I wouldn't eat. mind making a few dollars off of Eddie K. I can tell you that right now. It wouldn't hurt me at all. You know, I could certainly button? use it. I think Do you that, think you're not a success because uh, you're not making any money? Is, is no, that... I'm saying I'm poor because I'm not making any money. Do, artistically, artistically, I think I'm doing fine. You know, I'm doing what I want to do artistically, but I'm not making any money off of it, and it still takes my time. The only thing that matters to any human being, and you can talk about money, and you can talk about your religion, and you can talk about anything. The only thing that matters to me, you, or anybody else on this earth is time because that is the only thing, the only thing you can never get back after you've spent it. I think there's there's a difference That's here a good because point. I think there's a difference here is that with the the executives, the people who are in charge of the recording industry, of the music industry, of all the various labels that we would recognize worldwide, is they have a previous 
history of top ten artists, whether it's Bowie or the Beatles or Elton John or whatever, and they hand they they hand them out as carrots. They want the next generation. They want to find the next Elton John, the next Elvis Presley, the next Beatles, the next Stones, the next Zeppelin, the next whatever the money making thing is. They want to to hand that out as the next the carrot on the stick to be the next thing and I think those days are well and truly got out to say you could be this it's like the national lottery adverse it could be you it's not going to be you that buys the, the ticket for a dollar a pound or whatever and wins five million dollars on on the lottery it could be you but it's not going to be you the point is they keep holding that out as the incentive and the target as well I mean bear in mind Capitalism is supposed to be about the targets. You make more than you did last year. So if last year you had Elton John making X amount of millions, you, you're supposed to, to, to be a success, you're supposed to have something else that makes more than that the following year. And that's just not going to be the case. Times have changed, and that's just not going to be the case. Now, you can make a perfectly good living, but you're never going to be anywhere near classed as, quote, a success unquote by the big names and that couldn't happen too soon because to tell you the truth i think the music industry overall is stale and i'm actually welcoming the potential for truly creative bands who strike out on their own because this is going to give us a, a different take on things um and you're right it, it's always been about the cookie cutter bands here's the next rolling stones here's the next kinks why why can't they be their own identity and that's what i really look for in music these days and uh, um, that's why I think that with a lot of the Creative Commons music that is out there now, uh, I think that there's a lot of hope, and I, I can't wait for the large record companies to just finally die. I would love another here, here. Kinks. Uh, I wanted to uh, respond to Lost in Bronx. Not respond, but say this as, as a point, okay? Uh, I love Eddie K. I love it. I really do. I have $10 that I want to give you. How do I do that? Yeah, I, I echo that sentiment. Yeah, do you have a donate button, Lost, Lost in Bronx? I was, I was trying to ask. I don't know if you heard me try to ask it. I think that's a no. See, he's he can't be money. bought that's off. He's, he's, I hope, um, he's, I hope he's, he's not offended. I mean, I'm being honest. He's uh, he's scrambling to create a Flatter account right now and then put it on the web page and then claim that it's been there all along. All right. Well, in, in the vein of he's, selfless he's promotion, you can, pay, you can PayPal me at pipemanmusic at gmail.com. I have a Flatter account. It's available on opensourcemusician.libsyn.com. And uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I even have a tip the web account. So, But I do have, you know, I do want to support things that I think are cool. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about what will other people do, okay? And I think it's reflected in what will, what will we do. And yeah. I honestly do. I have $10 that I would like to give Lost in Bronx. I just, I just want to know how I do that and how others who enjoy Eddie K would like to do that. You know, I think the more that the internet grows, the more that artists and their fans realize they don't need the middleman. They can they can get together and they can support the the people. They can go direct to the to the source and they can repay the source and the source can respond directly to them. And I think that's a good thing. That really is a good thing. Unfortunately, the RIAA and the MPAA and other organisations like that feel freaked the fuck out by that whole concept because they are the middleman and they can't they couldn't can't can't exist. They don't exist if there's not both sides to rip off. 
And the irony of it all is the money that they've taken from people in their lawsuits have not gotten one dime to any musician. There's nothing ironic about that at all. We never expected them to get that money. I saw I saw um, actually a Richard Stallman's speech, strangely enough, about that issue of, hey, I have money. I want to give it to you. How can I get it to you? And the premise, he really kind of went um, – he went – into the artistic matters as well as the software matters and saying like people need to to put on their sites and stuff like that little buttons that say hey give me a dollar give me two dollars give me ten dollars whatever subscribe to me give me ten dollars every month whatever there needs to be a direct to the artist or whatever um method of, of 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 supporting the things that we like and i think that is a big game changer actually since we're obviously into the drinking portion of the show i would like to raise my glass to richard stallman i i really do believe he's a great man he's done great things for this earth and he's leaving it a better place than he found it for, for what he's done yeah, yeah. I, I, I would i would echo that as well and say um i don't agree with all of richard stallman what he says and what he's what he does but yeah on the whole he is as well worth well worth raising glass to and um you know i, I would i would echo that yeah but this will web at this point you'd, you'd raise your glass to anything <laughs> and your point is I guess I, I don't have one. I wrote a blog po- top of the head. I wrote a blog post once that, that basically could be summed up in my opinion of Richard Stallman is that I don't agree with everything Richard Stallman says, but I'm very glad that a guy like him exists. Yeah, I yeah. think that's... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, um, a lot of what Richard Stallman says, I mean, sometimes he does say things that are a bit divisive, but on on, on the whole, he is totally on the money. It really is. Um, you know, hats off to the guy. It really is. He, and the thing is, a lot of people walk the walk or talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. I can fully believe he walks the walk. He, he, he walks, he lives what he says. Uh, a lot of people, there's very, very few people on this planet you could say that about he really he really does walk he lives what he preaches yeah that's exactly what i was going to say at this web yep. i mean i think it's important and really yeah just important that that there is a person walking the walk to to represent that yes this is this is something that he believes in i mean that's a powerful statement and and even if we come close to that kind of dedication then we're probably doing all right it's no small thing either. Lots and lots of people claim to walk the walk and don't realize when they don't. And I think RMS is, uh, he's very aware that he's walking the walk and he does it intentionally. And he's hes setting a great example. I mean, foot eating be damned. He's a, a great man. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things when you say about free software, I mean, I don't run a free software distribution. I run Crunchbang, I run Mint, well, I used to run Mint, which is as far from, I mean, you'd never see RMS running Linux Mint um, because it comes with Java and it comes with Flash and whatever. And I, I mean, I install these regardless of what I run. I install things like Flash and that anyway, MP3 anyway. The RMS would never do that. He would just, there's no way in hell he would ever do that. So he would never run the type of distribution that I would run. Um, but the point is, he does actually do what he says he does, and that that speaks that really does speak volumes. I mean, when when you're talking about things like, well, I can do without Flash. That means I do without YouTube, which means when I'm bored, 
for me, what it means when I'm bored and I'm thinking, oh, a tune comes to mind that I've not thought about for 20 years. It's like, oh, I could, I could listen to that. I'll just go on to YouTube and check it there. Well, RMS couldn't do that because he doesn't have Flash. So it's things like that. I mean, the, the norm of today's internet life involves some sort of proprietary stuff, whether it's graphics cards, sound cards, wireless cards, or even Flash. Um, he willingly does without that because of his principle. And you've, you've really got to admire that. I mean, for all uh, everything else, you've got to admire that. I know what I don't want, and that's what I had with Windows before I found Linux. And I know what I really deep down want, and that's what Richard Stallman's vision is. The problem is I'm not the kind of guy that's going to do what it takes to be a Richard Stallman. So I'm grateful that Richard Stallman exists because he moves the ball closer to the end zone for me. He really does. Wow. What a profound point. Well done. Just, yeah, I mean... Just curious. Has uh, anybody mentioned BSD in the last couple hours? I mentioned Unix earlier. Yeah, yeah, Unix. Uh, I hear you, but, you know, that that covers a proprietary uh, connotation. But uh, BSDs in particular? Hey, Red, nope. can I, can I, can, before we change the subject, can I get to one more point? I've been, yeah, I've been dying of course. To we, we will definitely come back to Unix, and you will have center stage because uh, we need that. But I, I want to ask, um, as far as... Uh, I don't want to say supporting these the, the creators that you're a fan of, but at least um, insofar as uh, compensating them. Um, do you think that what we're doing here today, putting out a, a podcast, putting out shows the way that we do, is that any kind of compensation to the culture that we're trying to support? Because I, for one, can't do it financially. You could argue, you could argue that um, the more attention you draw to a particular project, I mean, on on Crivens, I was singing the praises of UM Player as a as a movie player, and funnily enough, after I, I was singing the praises of UM Player, I got so pissed off with it with the bugs that are in it that I moved I moved to VLC, which I never thought I would do. But the point was, if if, for example, I was really popular um, and a lot of people heard the word that I was putting out, that UM player is fantastic, and they drew a lot of people to UM player, then what does that mean? You know, it doesn't really benefit them in any way. It costs them more bandwidth to download the um, to, to allow people to download the software. It produces more bug reports them, which well, in theory makes them better because they can address that. Um, it draws more reviews, which could be negative because of the bugs that are in it. Um, it causes a lot more things than maybe, possibly than it's worth. I mean, that's maybe a bad example, but you know what I mean. Hey, this, hey, um, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, um, I think, you know, Pokey, as you say, that that is the whole point of HPR, isn't it? I mean, you know, we all benefit from the shows, and so everyone, in theory, contributes as well and, you know, therefore produces, you know, content themselves, making the whole cycle continue. And in, on a larger scale, I think that's also, you know, I would say that, yeah, doing something, if you're putting something out there, you know, one could argue that it could work on a, on a much larger scale in that, yeah, musicians uh, have content to listen to because they've got to get entertainment from somewhere too and they might listen to podcasts or whatever. So it's a big circle, I think. I think there's a lot... If I had somebody sick or else I wouldn't be able to sleep at night anymore. 
I think there's a lot more ways to contribute to the whole um, concept than just money as well. I mean, we're just concentrating on financial. Uh, there's a lot more ways uh, in terms of code and documentation and artwork and even helping out in forums, that type of thing, and even spreading the word. You know, there's a lot more ways than just financial. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's part of the ecosystem that that, that we're trying to create, a participant, a participatory culture rather than a consumer culture where all you do is buy consume you don't understand anything that you're doing but you're you're there with the money to throw at the, the at the issue every every moment and when something goes wrong you got more money hopefully to throw so that someone can come fix it for you you know that's just so blatantly mind numbed whereas something where people are contributing to something whether it's monetarily or or their their artistic talent or their programming code that's powerful and that's different well i mean if you're talking about other things other than financial you're actually growing the product as well if you're creating uh, tutorials on how to use something you're making that product more valuable because people are looking at that and going right I can download this but I might not know how to, how to run it or how to use it in such and such a way you're adding that extra extra layer into the project so you're you're increasing the val the, the the value of the project even although you've not spent a bean on the project yeah exactly yeah but realistically i'm providing a distraction i'm not putting out tutorials and how to's for anybody I would say this, Pod, Linux podcasts on the whole probably win Linux more users than most of the effort that's put into, we are the marketing arm of Linux. Oh man, okay. that's a great point. Chess Griffin mention here. Well, yeah, but that's and a while, great point. But while, while some of us might not have the $10 to kick that project a following and a voice to say, hey, look, it's the holidays. Not a lot of people have the money to kick to a project. I get that. But for those of you who do, if you are going to go buy another latte, just skip lattes for this week. Kick 10 bucks to your favorite open source project. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm oh, sorry. Did you say skip coffee this week? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't like the sound of that. That doesn't. Uh, maybe no. skipping no. your beer or something. How he about said, that, pal? No, Klaatu. He said skip buying it from Starbucks. Go make your own. He didn't say Starbucks. I heard latte. Right, skip buying your latte from Starbucks. Make a I latte didn't hear at Starbucks. Home. If okay. you're saying you've Starbucks, be, <laughs> I, I append my message. You might cause a don't go to Starbucks. <laughs> okay, don't give your money to an evil, stupid corporation. Here, here for a week. No, good, good point. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I derailed you, but yes, I mean <laughs> Starbucks okay. supports sofa. Well, they probably do. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, but... alternatively, just steal the coffee. There you that, go. That, that's our that's our uh, our media arms attempt at fud. Just don't <laughs> yeah. steal it from a fair trade. Uh, that's our vendor. feeble our feeble yeah, attempt right. at fud. But I really um, like where you're going with that pipe, man, because you're you're I, and strangely, it literally never occurred to me that this is the case. But yeah, Linux podcasting. I mean, for the amount of effort that people are putting into Linux podcasts, especially like the positive ones and the stuff that you know that show that Linux users are cool and normal and they're producing stuff and they're excited about it and they're creative you know i mean the amount of effort that goes into that it's like a marketing branch it's it's we don't have you know linux the the concept doesn't have a million dollars to put into a into a fancy advertising but here's this great content that people are putting out people are hearing about this other way of computing they get excited about it and they learn that they can get help to implement it and and then it they start adopting linux and bsd 
Right. I'm glad you say that, that what we're doing is getting out into the greater world because sometimes it feels like we're just talking to each other, which is fine with me. I love talking to each other. I think, you know, everybody we're talking to is great people, but it, it's it's comforting in, in a way to know that it's getting out and doing some good for something that we all believe in. I want to jump in right here. Speaking of getting stuff out, how do y'all get your stuff out other than just on your Por- website porn where helps else a- do you go to get your stuff porn helps I limited lot, to just know? going to your I website really feel like I gotta get oh no i'm sorry i thought we were having a different conversation <laughs> we, we were yeah you guys talked to each other really bad and i don't think either of you knew it cobra too can you repeat that so we can hear what you just said oh uh, i'm sorry uh i was just wondering like how do you get your content out to other people am i just limited to going to your website is there more than one place i can go and get it is there like a central location before I can just go and download um, Lost in Bronx's stuff, listen to an uh, album from Guitar Man, or, you know, just uh, read some book that somebody wrote. There's there's always Vivid.com, uh, where you can download the latest <laughs> porn movie <laughs> with the latest <laughs> musical stylings in the background of Gangbang Horse, whatever. Um, yeah, another NSFW tag. I think. Um, Thank you, Thistlelove, for pulling off my joke where I failed. Clatu <laughs> does that for me all the time. Every time I tell a joke that fails, Clatu picks it up and a month later tells it to raucous applause. Yeah, but, but that's um, not. Yeah, that's not considered helping you. That's that's stealing your content <laughs> for which no, I apologize. Just, that's, no, it yeah, just that, means you have better timing. It's a copyright infringement. Yeah, it's oh, intellectual right, property right, right. problem. Yeah. Uh, no, Cobra it, too. I have a I have a question for you. Yeah. Is I, that well, directed? To anybody? <laughs> I think All right, everyone. Answer, yeah, I think that's one one of the things where, I mean, as as much as the the whole self-producing, um, the whole concept of self-production is absolutely fantastic. As anyone could get on and write up an e-book, you know, create an album, create a, a documentary, create whatever it is, create music, whatever it is, they can do that. The thing they don't have is the distribution network. That is where the traditional industry have built all that up and sewn all that up because people hear about new music through music channels. They hear about new music through the radio stations. They see new movies in the tr- the theatre. And the theatre don't do anything that's not in- that's independent. All they do is stuff that comes from their own network. That's the distribution network is absolutely huge and that's something that cannot be underestimated. You can do everything else. You can create as real good quality stuff as you want in your industry but you don't have the distribution network because the, the, the way that they get people interested in any new stuff they have, the traditional industries have that entirely sewn up. Well, actually, that's not necessarily true. I think that, as I mentioned before, I think a truly savvy person can make complete use of social networks, whether it's, you know, the hideous Facebook or uh, Google+. Plus. I mean, uh, people are always being added every day. I mean, you must get easily 20, 30 emails for people you don't even know that are adding you. And I think that if somebody who has his stuff together, they can easily market to literally around the globe in a quarter of the time with a quarter of the effort i think if you put out good content and you do so consistently over a a given period of time that your audience snowballs even without that marketing brand now it may not be exponential growth but i don't think it's linear either 
and uh, that 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 that's true. I, I mean, I would say that there's a limit to that. Is there's when what what the major industries class as successful is not what's realistic. There's never going to be another. I mean, as going back to an earlier point, there's never going to be another Elton John. There's never going to be another Beatles, another Stones. The, the industry has moved completely on. Even the biggest artists of today, we're never going to get to that. So and that's, I don't know if that's true. But then it's not bad either. I, I, Perhaps I wanted, not either. Before, before we move on, I wanted to talk about Cobra's question. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to Is answer that, okay? that too. Okay. You go first uh, and I'll answer. I, I got an answer too. To get roughly back to that, there, there, there isn't necessarily a canonical place you can go to and get all the cool free stuff that's out there. Canonical? Um, boo has. Ubuntu, boo has. Okay. It's a word. Well, well, like there was a word before okay. it was a company. When you go. Leave me alone. <laughs> but but I would say that I personally like have have in the last couple months been putting out new uh, audio releases in my Google Plus stream. I know I don't, I don't want to take a big dean for that, but it's convenient for me, and I can copy and paste, and links work really well in it. If you want to follow the Open Source Musician podcast, has uh, their Google Plus stream, and I post. Um, uh, audio that has not only that is not only creative commons and released freely but is also produced using linux and open source software so that's one place to go um the other thing i'd like to say is that somewhere out there is a guy thinking i don't have a lot of money and i really love free software and i wish i could find a way to give back and to you kind sir i would say if you can find a good way of aggregating a dissimilar type of content say a group of podcasts with a group of free music releases with independently produced video on linux and some of the other cool stuff that's coming out of the community then do it that's a <laughs> great idea yeah, yeah that's a really good idea i'm not saying i know how but i'm already oh, well, know the... so there's somebody else out there <laughs> i know the biggest barrier okay, to go ahead. that idea it, and it is politics. You have to do a thing like that in an apolitical way, because otherwise there's this giant machine working against us all whose only goal is to divide us so that they can conquer us. And you have to do that in a way that politics doesn't get in the middle uh, do, wait, to, to, to sorry. do anything like that. Define politics. I'm not quite following you, I don't think. Uh, See, po po we can boil it down to left and right, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. Oh, so you're we talking about literal politics, like governmental yes. – oh. Okay. Yes, that but, is see, a uh, barrier to entry for any any conservative thinker. When you're talking about the arts, they have a hard we because uh, I'm a very conservative thinker. We have a hard time coming into a forum that is art centric, and it's that barrier is that people don't want to hear what we have to say. They don't want to hear what we the way that we think, even though we may agree on a vast number of things. To Klaatu, you're asking about um, about defying politics. Um, there's a quote that I read on the internet somewhere. Uh, I mean, the internet is, it must be true, it's on the internet. Um, there's politics comes from two words, poly meaning many, and ticks meaning blood-sucking insects. So, uh, go, go for <laughs> I like it. that one. And so to answer my answer anyway for Cobra 2's question, is, is there a place to get all of these things in one place? Uh, I think that's what Hacker Media was supposed to be, was a place that all these things could come together. Um, it, it doesn't seem to have done that. It seems to maybe, from my perspective anyway, it seems like it's kind of withering on the vine. But 
I bet it could be revived if there was someone who could get excited about it and know how to do it, just like HPR was revived when Ken jumped in a year or so ago. And uh, and, and as you can see from what Ken did, to do a thing like that is a big job because he's been working at it for a year. And we're just now getting to the point where we're trying to rally the people to take over for Ken. We want the community to, to do what Ken's been doing and keep HPR not just alive, but I mean really vibrant. And, you know, maybe Hacker Media is in the same state and, and needs the same kind of uh, jump start. So so that was going to be my answer to Cobra 2. Well, yeah, I, th- I think there's a difference between making... Uh... Uh, a huge fortune and being successful and making a living out of it. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who are quite happy to make a living out of doing something, um, but they'll never, they'll never be a huge, um, huge multi-billion-dollar artist, whatever field they're in. Uh, but they're quite happy to make a make a living out of it. Yeah, yeah. that's a huge delay. You said that an hour ago. <laughs> um, there's back. I mean, in regards with what Pipe Man and, and Pokey said. Um, I, I I like the ideas um, of like these sort of aggregate places. They 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 do seem efficient, but I'm just gonna kind of I guess be the one not to go down that that path and say I I don't think there are central places to find all the artwork, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, in the in the same way I guess that software free software seems to have a lot of choices. I think that independent artists you kind of have to look for it. You, you want to follow one of the artists and kind of get to know them and find out where they have all their stuff. And and you find the good stuff that way. At least that's that's been my methodology. And I've I've done. I think pretty well with it, and I, I just don't know. I mean, because to me, in the arts, a one central place that aggregates a whole bunch of stuff is either going to have like just stuff that the couple of curators happen to deem being, you know, good enough for their prestigious site, their aggregate site, or it's completely open forum, and you really end up having to dig through it anyway. Like kind of archive.org, some of the independent stuff that's up there. Some of it's really great. Some of it's just like, why is this here? Um, so I don't know. I, I have, a, I, I kind of feel like the the divergence and the the sort of multiple sources for independent art i I happen to kind of think that's a good thing because then i can lock in on one or two people that i like and sort of follow them and then find more people that that like them and then go down and find out what they're doing and you kind of get into this kind of get the feel of the lay of the land without having to just go to one superstore i I guess that's think that any central repository like that that actually worked would become the system that we have now where, where the new guys and the small guys would just become noise yeah yeah i think that's what i'm saying yeah I, 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 guess, I guess what I what I, what I took from that is that um, uh, what we do isn't really just about content. Is that we are a community, yeah. and if you want to find the cool content, you got to get with the community. Yes, and I you got to plug I, in. It's not yes. It's not enough to, for it to be dead. You, Ab- absolutely. you have to be an active participant. You got to join a chat room. You got to talk to other people. You got to you got to become part of it because um, um, that's how we got into it. <laughs> that's the way it works. Yeah, I think with the, the mainstream stuff as well as as I, I don't know. I'm probably repeating myself if I'm. It's due to the alcohol. Uh, um, blame, blame the alcohol. Don't blame me. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, yeah, it jumps in. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, thing is, I mean, when when a major distributor, whether it's movies, music, or whatever format it is, they look at things, they, they look at various things and see if it's, they estimate whether it's going to make X amount of money or not. And if it is, they'll, they'll do it. And if it's not, they don't. And if it's not, it might make a lot of money, but it's not quite enough to justify, to break their, um, their levels to say, oh, it's profitable, therefore we should do it. So, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that the only stuff you hear or you see is the mainstream, the safe stuff that you see. Um, there's a whole wide, wide river of stuff that's been produced that's good enough, that's certainly making money for people, certainly popular enough, but it doesn't quite meet those standards. Um, so that's that's another sort of thing to, to keep in mind. I mean, the, the independent mindset is... Uh, Gives keeps that in mind, you know. It keeps it keeps getting that that in focus. Well, the main reason I brought up the question was I had an idea of how to centralize or somewhat centralize uh, slash aggregate Creative Commons media. Yay! I think this is going to point back to torrents. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is a good oh, idea. I, it. I didn't see it coming. No, this is a good idea. It is. It's, I, it's a I great think idea. it's a great idea, but I'm still going to stick to my guns and say that I mean, I don't think I think it's a good idea, but I don't think it's a superstore model either, which is good. No, no, and it's also not central aggregation place. It's just a repository. Yeah. Yes. Good good point. I like it. A book repository? Very similar. He's talking about a content cover too. Why don't you explain it? Yes. All right, well, I'll I'll try and explain, but uh, my connection gets really, really fuzzy, and y'all break up a lot, so I can't hardly hear you sometimes. But just remember to just remember to lift off the push to talk when you inhale, and it should uh, take care of the whole buffer. Yeah. Thing. Oh, uh, am I in somebody's buffer or something? No, no, I'm just saying if if you remember to, to lay off the key up, you know, then it it won't do it as badly. I I think to guess. But go ahead. Uh, well, I'll try to, anyways. Uh. So, like, uh, you have a torrent site that has uh, just everything that is Creative Commons. Anything that anybody ever put out under a Creative Commons license, there's a torrent for it. You have a place where you can index all the torrents and search through everything by anybody, and uh, users would come along and would go through and tag, like, each individual uh, torrent or group or whatever to uh, allow other users to assign, you know, different types of groups of whatnot together and allow, like, just somebody to stumble across the site and go, hey, I'm looking for X, and they type in X into a search bar, and they get a list of similar artists or similar content and it would have the site would have pretty much everything creative commons video whatever whatever somebody can seed so it's a tracker it's a torrent tracker essentially but the tracker would be a pr private style tracker right. where uh nobody could just add whatever torrent they wanted to it would have to be uh approved right agreed i thought somebody was working on this yeah cobra 2 yes. and the, <laughs> the drunk guy oh it all makes sense okay. now we were all <laughs> which which drunk guy yeah, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. The one who sounds like he's drunk when he's sober. <laughs> <laughs> so does this torrent tracker run on Unix? It can. Uh, I had it running on FreeBSD. BSD? How come it's... There you go. How come it's not GNU BSD? <laughs> Ouch. 
was that it? That was the mention of VSD. That's 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 what you wanted us to do, Unix Clubhouse. You didn't have anything to say. Regex out. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I want. Thank you for trolling us. We 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 fell into your trap. <laughs> you know, I worked you, you know, you know something. You know. You know, <laughs> you know something. BSD sounds like STD. I don't know why. I got the uh, BS in Tijuana. You know, a little bit of. <laughs> Little bit of penicillin cleared it right up. Did you get it from something called the basket? Something is that what the B stands for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Cobra Two, can you? Did you name your website? Did you? Did you say the name of your website? Oh no, it, it doesn't have a name. It doesn't exist. It's a project that I'm working on. Oh, sweet. Is okay. So, how can people help you, or are you not asking for help at this time? Uh, if you know PHP, you could help out a lot, or C++ to help modify the tracker. And how can they get in touch with you for that? Uh, I can toss a, a link in IRC of just like some concepts that I have. Okay. And and if you've got a way to get in touch, well, I would say yeah. I see Cobra 2 all the time in Oddcast Planet on the IRC, uh, on the Freenode IRC network. Yeah, that'd probably yeah, be a I, good way. I, I don't own Freenode 24-7. Yeah, I'm just going to cut in here and say that the CC tracker thing was initially my idea, but Cobra 2 has been absolutely phenomenal and taking it on. Um, I, I've had too many things in my mind and I've not really done anything with it, uh, but Cobra 2 has been absolutely fantastic in, in, in taking it on. And it's still alive, it's still going, um, but he's, he's he's the guy that's doing the coding. So um, whatever he says on, on the technical side goes. Cool, cool. I think it's a, I think yes, it's a fantastic the, idea, and I, you know, best of luck to you. Well, the project for me was just to teach myself PHP, and that was the whole idea. But it kind of evolved into me needing to know more than just PHP to do what I wanted to do. I think I was I think I was pretty hopped up on PHP when I got that BSD in Tijuana. It's a it's a noble way to learn PHP. I'll give you that. Nothing. I got nothing for that. Nothing. No, you got you got mental recognition from me. I, there was a chuckle. I just didn't press to talk to chuckle. Okay. Yeah, what is I didn't mental press recognition? To what is mental <laughs> recognition? The one problem with with push to talk is that you have to remember to hit it to laugh at. Yeah, you're. Oh, I just chuckled and I didn't press to chuckle. So now I need to press to <laughs> chuckle so that I can fake a chuckle. You know. So eh. You know, it just feels like my joke. My jokes die. I feel yeah. that's success. Mental well, Pipe recognition Man, is success. <laughs> there you go. Pipe Man, don't don't release a DVD of your stand-up yet. Don't quit your day job, but, you know, you're getting there. A couple of open right. mic nights, a little maybe improv here and there. All right, I'll clean up the act. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the, there's a difference. I might want to point this out just for people who are curious. There's a difference between mental recognition and mental recognition. One is a sort of mint-flavored thing, and the other is like a mind thing. I like them both. Uh, I appreciate both of them. If you want to send them to me. We'll send mints. <laughs> You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. 
unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.